Welcome to The Business, live from Room 5. Welcome back, everybody, to the second part of an interview with Tim Passmore, who is the Police and Crime Commissioner for Suffolk. Uh, something we spoke about before, Tim, was about the Joint Estates Programme with the fire oh, station oh, yes, and so yes. I wonder if you could elaborate on that for the yeah. listeners. Well, this actually started just before I was elected, so it's been going on for just over 10 years. I think the first joint police combined, uh, and fire station, putting the two together, actually um, started in Framlingham. And with the support of what was then the DCLG, Department for Communities and Local Government, we got a grant. Didn't, of course, provide all the money that we needed. But by putting this together with Suffolk Fire and Rescue, we now have 13 joint police and fire stations. And that's really, really important because it saves the taxpayer money. You've only got one facility to run instead of two. Yep. I think there's some evidence it does help with response if you get road traffic accidents or some other rescue operation in a locality, um, that can be very, very helpful. And I think these are the sorts of things we need to be doing. And it's not just been on the estates, actually. Um, we've got a joint agreement with operating drones. That's important for in crime investigation, monitoring, for example, illegal hair coursing. The rural crime team have got access to drone technology. So there's a lot going on there. And I think one of the other sides I would mention is our volunteer police cadets and what we now call in certain cases, the emergency services cadets. And this was a first for Suffolk. Down in Haverhill, uh, the other end of the county, the first ever joint police and fire cadets was launched. Not only the first one ever in Suffolk, but for the whole of the country. And uh, I'm a great believer in doing a lot more to support our young people. I used to run a scout group for 27 years, and I've seen it firsthand how you can help those who perhaps haven't had the opportunity that people like me were very lucky to have when I was younger, and uh, it makes such a difference. And I think we've got to look after our younger generation a lot better than we do. You know, the consequences of all those lockdowns and all that stuff with COVID and so on didn't help their education, the lack of social contacts and so on. I do a lot of rugby refereeing. The fact there was no rugby for nearly two years. <laughs> um, I know there's other sports not all about rugby, but, you know, these things are really important for the mental and social development of our young people in particular. And I think that did tremendous damage. And my personal view is I understood the first lockdown. I'm not convinced that was the right thing to do for prolonged lockdowns afterwards because I think it had a serious effect on too many people, particularly our youngsters, and the damage to the economy. Well, we're still suffering from that now. However, we are where we are, so we've got to get on with things. And that's why in part of our commissioning and grants that we give a major part of work uh, we do as police and crime commissioners I'm really, really pleased we do a lot to help our young people through various youth groups. Socioeconomic issues, for example, the Porch Project, Inspire Suffolk, Positive Futures. These are all wonderful organisations, voluntary sector bodies, charities. And when you see the way it can turn around young people's lives and give them the confidence to become good citizens and actually develop their aspiration. You know, it's all too negative at the moment about everything. You've got some wonderful young people Let's give them a bit of a lift and say, you know, if you want to achieve this, off you go, we'll support you. And I think that adjustment in attitude really, really helps us far too much doom and gloom around. Hmm. Things are difficult, we know that, but let's turn the argument the other way around and get on. And policing will be there to help. We're there to help with our grants and commissioning. And um, that's why I'm really confident about the future in Suffolk. We're a great county, great people here. And uh, let's harness that um, 
innate ability to roll our shirt sleeves up, get on with things, stop moaning and um, go forwards. Communication and engaging with the general public, Tim. Mm. How do you stand on that and what measures are you taking to ensure that that is as well, good as can I, be? I, I think it's so important, not just for policing, but in general. I think part of the challenge we have these days with everything being done digitally on mobile phones, I mean, you see some people walking around the town like a bunch of zombies. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm fearful, seriously, that people are going to lose the ability to talk and engage with people. So as a police and crime commissioner, I think engaging with the public is really important. That's not a one-way process. I always say to people, look, if you're not happy, we need to hear. If I don't hear about things or the team doesn't hear about things, we can't put it right. Yes. Equally, with all the people we've got in Suffolk, I'm sure there will be plenty of ideas of what could be done to improve things. I certainly don't have a monopoly on all the good ideas, nor, do, nor does the constabulary. So looking at new ways of doing things, some ideas are very simple, some are complicated, but let's hear about them. Let's report the crime. We can look at all of this and move forwards. And if you don't engage properly with the public, they won't talk to you. So we can do that in a variety of ways. We have a whole series of public meetings throughout the year um, where anybody can come along. That's across the county and ask any question they like. These are all publicised on the website. We uh, tried some online meetings last year, and there's going to be another series of those. They weren't very well. Yeah, the traditional ones of writing a letter, we still do get letters. <laughs> um, emails, phone calls via our website is, is absolutely crucial because when we come to draw up the police and crime plan, which I think I mentioned right at the beginning, if you like, that's a sort of blueprint, a high-level strategic document for policing in Suffolk that the Chief Constable is obliged in the legislation to deliver. It's not an option. That's there. That's the top document for all constabularies. It's understanding what people want, what their ideas, suggestions, frustrations, good points, bad points. We put that all together in order to try and um, get the plan with the right balance. Clearly, it's partly limited because of the resources you've got, but that's crucial. I mentioned before... You have to set the budget as a police commissioner and therefore that also is the uh, level of council tax you charge. And every year we have an online survey at the beginning of January before the budget is set with our council tax proposals to hear what people think. And um, I think this last year we got somewhere over 2,000 responses. Anybody can answer that, but that's a pretty good number. We do look at all the views that people put forward as well. There's a comment box there. Clearly, we can't have a Dickens novel written by everybody who wants to put a comment in. But the main points there are seriously taken into account. And that does help alter the balance sometimes of what's being done. So, for example, two years ago, we knew anyway that people were pretty dissatisfied with the 101 service in the control room. And that's why the budget for the last year uh, was put up through the council tax to secure £1.4 million notes for improving the control room, which was about recruiting four extra police officers, 27 extra staff, as well as improving some of the technology. Now, that programme isn't quite complete yet. Uh, there have been some difficulties within recruitment, but that's a very good example of where listening to the public, yes, we need to do that. All the uh, funding has been very clearly and specifically documented, and that engagement is absolutely invaluable to everything we do. So... I'm also very happy to go and talk to any group that wants me to come and talk. You can ask whatever question you like. I think we recently did a um, 
a talk uh, in conjunction with the NFU at Halesworth Golf yeah, Club. And yeah, um, I think there were, I don't know, 55, 60 people there. That was a really, really valuable evening. You can yeah, understand yeah. what the issues are, ideas and so on. And also there's a, on the flip side, you can put across to people, look, these are the issues we have from the constabulary point of view. I mentioned funding earlier. Well, we need to get this funding formula sorted out. And that's where anybody who's able to put pressure on MPs and other things in order to support us with what we're doing can help. So these meetings, um, not only they're enjoyable, I like meeting people, but it is picking up those ideas and comments. Okay. So always happy to talk to groups, be it rotary clubs, but business clubs, for example, speaking to um, the Suffolk Seroptimist Society uh, later on this year. And I had to go and look that up when I first saw it, and I understand that Soro was the Latin for sister. So it's a it's a women's group, but it's not an extreme pressurised group. It's putting forward views that women are concerned about, and I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. They are, after all, just over half the population, and they have just as much right to be heard as anyone else. Youth groups, um, we do an annual update for all the councils, um, so there's an awful lot in that. So if anybody listening to this uh, wants to come and quiz us or have a discussion, please get in touch and we'll put it in the diary and we'll be there. Something that comes across my desk from time to time or even across email is that clients of mine in business are more targeted in bogus emails, asking for money and even sometimes where they have been caught, caught out. And I just wonder what the police force are doing to combat that and support businesses or victims yeah, yeah. of business crime. Yes, well, of course, you're quite right, Ryan. I mean, people who are victims of crime do include businesses, and some of them are pretty serious. And be you large or small, the effects can be devastating. We've mentioned earlier about theft of plant machinery and so on. That needs to be reported. We can follow it up. Fraud, scams, email scams, extortion, blackmail, corruption. I'm not saying that's endemic in Suffolk, but Business crime certainly matters. I've always believed if we don't look after business, we've got a really serious problem because that is where the wealth and the money is generated to pay for public services. You know, the money for public service isn't kept in a biscuit tin or growing on some tree around the back. It just doesn't work like that. You know, you could be um, a farming business, food and drink. We've mentioned how important that is. But there are many other businesses in Suffolk, be it in Hawley's, some of the caring business and so on. Whatever it happens to be, I'm really clear in our police and crime plan to the Chief Constable, business crime matters and it needs to be dealt with. So dealing with economic crime is, is crucial. Here in the Eastern Region, we have um, the Eastern Region Special Operations Unit. So for the more serious business crimes amongst us, they will look at that. So high-level fraud cases, uh, we link in with the City of London Police and Action of Fraud. And this is really something that uh, we here locally and nationally have really got to raise our game on. Dealing with fraud is way, way behind where it needs to be because criminals are developing new forms of fraud uh, all over the place and they've got to be caught and dealt with. So that's that's a, a, an issue we have to tackle collectively. We've mentioned about crime prevention. That's really, really important. But I would implore people, if they have been subject or the victim of any crime, for goodness sake, please, please, please report it. Underreported crime doesn't help anybody. I know it can be frustrating, but when we want to lob lobby government about better funding, painting the picture based on evidence this is the level of crime being reported, it does help persuade them that crime does happen amongst businesses and others in rural areas, and therefore it counts, as we said earlier again, and therefore we need better resourcing for that. 
so we do put resources in to dealing with economic crime in collaboration with others, really important. And I think the other thing that I would mention here is working in conjunction with other agencies, particularly people like Trading Standards Environment Agency for other sorts of crime, be it waste crime, whatever. Mm-hmm. We've got to work together on this. And I think, again, working with um, business organisations, we've got very good engagement with people like the Suffolk Chambers of Commerce, uh, yeah. Countryside and Landowners Business Association, NFU, and others, getting the message out there. The good relations with them means they can report to us if there are difficulties. We have annual updates with them. We've got the Suffolk show coming up. We'll be there both days. Great opportunity for business and other people to come and talk to us. And um, one of the main areas of work that all police com- crime commissioners have is their victims commissioning. We get a separate grant from the Ministry of Justice each year specifically to help victims of crime. When I started, we got no money at all for this. Uh. So whilst overall we might get um, somewhere now approaching nearly £2 million for supporting victims and people moan it's not enough, I just say be careful what you're saying because you go back eight or nine years and we got zilch, nothing. So... Yes, of course, we would need more. Really, really important. And um, I know farming is very, very important. One thing that disturbed me a few years ago, the food chain crime, remember the horse meat scandal? That yeah, was organised yeah. crime. I said at the time, time, having been an ex-pig farmer, I can tell you that horse meat is to do with the meat processing business which is international. I bet you organised crime was behind that, which is what it was. Looking at supply chains and keeping the trust and confidence, the traceability is really crucial to Suffolk because we've got some world-class food and drink manufacturers. You look at the wonderful beers that we produce, and they are wonderful. Uh I've tried some of them separately myself. (laughs) Uh, But if you look at other organisations, for example, Gressingham Duck, you look at some of the fruit juices, uh, British Sugar, there are a load of industries throughout Suffolk that have got an international reputation, and we cannot afford for that to be compromised. So Again, this is where Ursu and others can come in to help with that. Supply chain issues are really, really important. And actually, if we turn that round the other way, you know, it's quite interesting because I'm a great believer uh, in helping business as much as we can throughout the public sector. And you think of our policing budget of £168 million, that's the total budget for everything. 80% of our costs are actually staffing costs. The rest, more or less, is spent on goods and services. A lot of opportunities for local firms and UK PLC. And I have long maintained with taxpayers' money, we should do a damn sight more support UK PLC and wherever possible local business, be it in Suffolk uh, or wherever. And um, you sometimes hear the process, you've got to do this and got to do that. Well, actually, I think procurement, if you looked at social value more carefully, you could do a lot more creating jobs, employment, etc., demanding the economy which you'll need because it's the private sector that earns the money to pay for the public sector. And a very good example is the Mildenhall Hub, a 40 million public sector village. It was built by a local firm. I think I can take some credit for that. I said, I'm not going to sign off on this, although we'd only got about 2.5% of the uh, the cost of this project, unless it goes to a local firm. And whilst you're at it, let's give some of our young people a chance who haven't got jobs. And I'm really, really proud by working with other people there it went to Carter's, a Suffolk-based firm, and actually they employed 10 people on apprenticeship, young people who've now got full-time jobs. We need to weaponise public sector procurement 
wake up, smell the coffee, and do a damn sight more to support what we're doing here locally. And that's something I'm very, very keen on, be it food and drink, be it whatever the supplies are, I do not understand why the public sector doesn't have a real focus of supporting UK PLC. It's not just about the money. It's about our decency, as far as I'm concerned. We can do a lot more to have the extra social value. It's all perfectly legal to do it that way. And I think we could make a real difference here in Suffolk. So um, I'm certainly on the case for that, can assure you. Tim, it's been a fascinating conversation. And just to round things up, I'd just like to ask you one final question, if I may. What are the biggest challenges for you going forward now? Well, first of all, Ryan, thanks very much for having me along. It's been a pleasure to have this discussion. And I think looking forward, policing will always have to adapt and change. The pattern of crime will always change and so on. But if there's one thing that I think is of particular concern to me, and that's the demand on the police force caused by those who are suffering from mental ill health. Uh, this has been an ongoing problem for some time, but I do think um, we do need to understand frontline police officers are not mental health professionals. Of course, they're there to help in times of absolute emergency. They always would do, and that will continue. But we are looking at a new programme that has been trialled up in Humberside Police Force and is now actually working called Right Care, Right Person. And that's to make sure that if we have calls that come into the control room for help, the police are looking at not responding to every single one of them. If it's a matter of life or death or extreme emergency, of course they'll respond. But for many others who are suffering from with mental health difficulties or in crisis, police officers are not the appropriate people to deal with them. And um, we've already started quite a lot of work, incidentally, with the health professionals. We have two mental health nurses in our control room down in Ipswich. Uh, I was there recently and there was a mental health call came in and after making inquiries it was transferred to the uh, these other two who were able to give the right advice and help accordingly. And I know talking to other health partners things are being put in place to help ease the burden. We don't have any crisis cafes to take people to who are in diff great difficulty and one of the problems is as they have to be taken to a place of safety sometimes they end up under what's called a 136 arrangement, they okay. get taken to our custody suites. And that really isn't the best place for people like that. You do hear of some people saying, well, having a uniformed officer there can actually make the problem um, even worse. So we want to work with professionals. Um, we want to implement this right care, right person initiative um, later on this year, as soon as we can, to make sure, A, Yes, it does reduce demand on the police to give them time for other things, but the primary reason for this is making sure people in distress get the appropriate treatment and help that they have. And police officers were never qualified to do that, and they are not at the moment. So I think we'll all benefit by using this initiative, and we do this in conjunction with others. So for me, uh, Ryan, as I say, I think that's the biggest challenge, looking at our demand on the police, getting this particular difficulty solved, is something I look forward to doing. And uh, if we can do that, we'll be on a very good journey. Thank you, Tim. Really appreciate your time and coming down to see us today. We hope you've enjoyed our latest podcast. To download past and future episodes of The Business, live from Room 5, join us online at www.lovewell-blake.co.uk.